Thursday edition of PFTPM. Boy, I'm glad we have two shows a day. We need two shows a day to keep up with everything that's going on in the National Football League. Shereen, I joked earlier this week that these quarterbacks have gotten together and they've picked which days they're going to invade the news cycle. So we have a nice balanced flow of information to analyze. And Russell Wilson back at center stage today. I don't think he intended that to happen, though. I think what we saw this afternoon, and we'll get to it, reaction to a very detailed report from The Athletic that seemed to be the first time the Seahawks put their fingerprints on this back and forth. And with the use of anonymous sourcing, let some things be known that that don't put Russell Wilson in the kind of positive light he always wants to be in. And with that, I'll say good afternoon. How are you? I'm fantastic, Mike. Isn't this fun? This is like fantastic. Normally we'd be at the combine and we'd have a ton of stuff and I was all worried we're not going to have anything to talk about this week. This has been great. Let's keep doing these one a day. I like this. Quarterback drama. Yes. Although it's been more like two a day and this day there's more than two and non-quarterbacks are getting into the mix as well, but we're going to get it all covered over the course of the next hour. Also, we're going to Take a closer look at the Lions and Panthers upcoming or ongoing offseason, as the case may be. Both teams already have made some moves or at least have some moves lined up for when the new league year begins on March 17. The big question today, when that clock strikes 4.01 p.m. Eastern in just under three weeks, will the Seattle Seahawks immediately trade Russell Wilson to another team? The Athletic dot com has a report that is worth reading and the one thing that created the the headline for me was this back and forth that occurred after they'd lost two games in a row russell wilson had seven turnovers in losses to the bills and the rams they had a short week to get ready for the cardinals on thursday night the cardinals were coming off of the hail murray game russell wilson in a nutshell wants to have more influence and control over how to fix the offense. He's got ideas on how to get it back to let Russ cook. It had been let Russ do anything but cook, let Russ crockpot, let, let Russ, uh, you know, I, I, you, you could, you could put in 50 different words other than cook and they ignored him and he stormed out of the room. That seems like very uh, uh, un Russell Wilson like behavior that caught my attention, Shereen, and I have a feeling it caught the attention of Russell Wilson's camp and then set the stage for what came later in the day. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. And we talk about the Seahawks having been quiet about this. Apparently they were very quiet about this. They, I mean, it's obvious all of this came from the Seahawks camp and, and it looks like Russell Wilson has responded to the Seahawks respond. But, you know, he made it public right after the season, Mike, about how frustrated he was with all of these things. He wanted a bigger say in personnel. He is frustrated by all the hits that he's taken, which is over 40 quarterback sacks uh, in, in the last eight years. That's just too many. And so he's really been banged around. And the fact that they haven't won a Super Bowl since his second season, haven't been there since his third season, three and five in the postseason since then. There's a lot of frustration, Mike, and it's all coming out right now. And the question is, what does this lead to? Does he? Go, I've always been in the camp that he'll be back there for one more year, and if they don't get to the Super Bowl, that's probably it. But now, after reading all this today, I'm not so sure he's back there next this year, Mike. Yeah, I think this thing is working toward a boil. And my big takeaway beyond the, the factual scenario with – him storming out of the room when he tried to get them to give him more influence over fixing the offense. I I came down to this after I read all of it. Let let me just say this real quickly about this concept of the ultra-long article. I I don't want to make anybody any more upset than ordinarily do, but do the folks who write these things realize no one ever reads all of it? And, And that should cause the people, before they submit it for publication, to read back over it and see if there's a way to tighten it up. I don't think there's any automatic praise or glory in having so many words no one ever reads all of it. Because trust me, I never read. You get to a point where you shift from read to skim mode. And I'm always skimming for the stuff that I think would make for a good story that our audience would be interested in. But Shereen, whether it was this, whether it's the item The Athletic had last week on Deshaun Watson, whether it was that 10,000-word opus from ESPN on the NFLPA and the NFL that tracks back 10 years into topics no one cares about, I don't get it. And I'm sorry to take us off track, but I just don't get it. 
And I don't know what motivates this because, frankly, the Athletic could have taken that story today and they could have crafted it into six, seven different news bombs that they could have dropped over the course of three or four days. Yeah, no question, Mike. You know, it's it's those long reads. People aren't reading them anymore. It's not the way it is. I love writing them. There's no question about that. I think they're fun to write. But when people don't read to the end, have you really had a good use of your time and a good use of your space? And probably not. I'm with you. They probably could have broken this one up into several different bites and posted those, and they would have gotten a lot more play out of this. But that's the athletic, the way they do things, I, and, I, and it's the way they've always done things. And they already have our money, so it doesn't matter. They can write as long as they want to write. But, and, and I didn't mean <laughs> to take us paid. off track. I didn't, I didn't mean to take us off track, but it just, I, just, it, it, I just I don't get it. When no one reads the whole article, I don't get it. Anyway, what happened later this afternoon, the stuff that people do read and digest, the tweets that come out in 280 words or fewer, that was where the response came from Russell Wilson. And it was on the record from his agent, his agent. And and I'd love to know the sausage making process that causes someone to say who they're going to talk on the record to. The agent chose Adam Schefter and the the tweet from Schefter with information from Mark Rogers was that, number one, Russell Wilson has not requested a trade. Now, we reported that a couple of weeks ago. He hasn't requested a trade. But at the same time, he wants to play for the Seahawks. But if he's going to be traded, here are the four teams to which he'd accept a trade, which makes it kind of hard to sell the idea he doesn't want to trade. Hey, I don't want to trade. I haven't demanded a trade. But in the event they choose to trade me, but- Cowboys, Raiders, Bears, Saints are the four teams for whom I would waive my no trade clause. And what that does, and I I have reason to believe that this is exactly what Mark Rogers was trying to do. It lets those teams know you're the ones at the table. You're the ones who should be making the offers. Forget about the stories of a third of the league calling or teams trying to get the Seahawks' attention. No, put your best offer together, put it on the table, And there's reason for you to do it because it's down to you. You're the finalists. If you want in, get in. If you want out, get out. But those are the four teams. And go ahead and start the bidding, even though we officially aren't requesting a trade. Yeah, Mike, that's exactly what it is. If you look at those four teams from the Seahawks standpoint, I mean, the Raiders obviously make the most sense to get him out of the NFC. I mean, you don't want to trade him to a team like the Cowboys that you're going to have to beat to get to the Super Bowl, right? That that probably makes them better. The Bears or the Saints, any of those teams, you just don't want to do that. So if they're going to trade him and those are the only four teams he'll go to, then you start to look at the Raiders as the possibility from the Seahawks standpoint. And if one of those other teams wants to offer you way, way, way more than what the Raiders offer you, then you go, you go back to the Raiders and say, all right, we really want to trade them with you to you. Here's what these other teams are offering. But to me, from the Seahawks standpoint, if you're going to do this, the Raiders absolutely make the most sense. But again, I think it comes down, Mike, to how do the Seahawks really feel about Russell Wilson? Do they see him as their long-term franchise quarterback? And if you do, then you are going to have to do some things that he wants you to do. And if you don't want to do those things, then it's obvious to me that you don't think he is your franchise quarterback who can lead you to multiple Super Bowls. So maybe it is time to move on and listen to some of these offers. That's the litmus test. If you don't view Russell Wilson the way that Russell Wilson views Russell Wilson, then trade him to a team that does because that team is going to give you more than what you would give someone else for him. It should get your attention. And that's where they need to tread lightly, Shireen, because if they put out too much of this idea that that maybe they don't think Russell Wilson is Patrick Mahomes in a different uniform, that's when one of these teams may say, well, you really don't view the guy as being all that special. And look, that won't matter if multiple teams come to the table because that's the best way to do this. What what Mark Rogers did on Russell Wilson's behalf is what, frankly, David Mulagetta should do on Deshaun Watson's behalf. Announce the teams yep. that Watson would play for. Then those teams know they're not wasting their time if they put together an offer and it makes sense for them to press pause on whatever their quarterback plans may be. The Raiders intrigue me for one reason. 
The Raiders and Seahawks used to be in the same division, and they met in the playoffs in back-to-back years, yeah. including in an AFC championship game back in 83. The Raiders won that game and won the Super Bowl after that. But, you know, the Raiders would make sense because even though they say they're not trading Derek Carr, if an upgrade falls into their lap, they're taking it. The Cowboys, and Shereen, the Cowboys are the team that I've consistently heard for more than a year. Anytime this issue comes up of Russell Wilson not being thrilled, the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys. I think he's got his eyes on the Cowboys. From Dallas's perspective, does it make any sense to pull the plug on Dak Prescott and put together a major trade package to get Russell Wilson? I think Russell Wilson is an upgrade over Dak, Dak Prescott. I mean, you, you can't argue that point because Russell Wilson has the Super Bowl ring, right? And he doesn't have the injury problem that Dak Prescott has right now. He signed long-term Dak Prescott isn't. For all those reasons, I think you say absolutely he's an upgrade on Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott doesn't cost you anything except money to re-sign. If you're confident that ankle, and I don't know how you would know that, but if you're confident that ankle is going to be okay and he's going to be your franchise quarterback he costs you nothing except for money salary cap space and I know that's important but he's not going to cost you all those draft picks and everything else this to me does not look like a team that's ready to win right now and so how are you going to build around that around Russell Wilson on your team if you don't have all these draft picks that's my only concern from a Cowboys standpoint is trying to get better without the cap space and without the draft picks to try to improve a roster that, to me, is just not real good right now, aside from the weapons. The weapons are great. I, You know, if I'm Russell Wilson, I want to go play perhaps with that offensive line if they can come back from those injuries, the, the, the big guys we talk about, Tyron Smith and, and Zach Martin. But I like the receivers, too. Lyle Collins, I forgot him. But I like the receivers. But when you're looking at that defense and other parts of that team, I'm not so sure. When you're looking at the age of Tyron Smith and his injury injury, history I'm not so sure so I would love to see you know I'd love to see and I know we can't this would take all kinds of movement but maybe it's Seahawks signed Dak Prescott in free agency and Russell Wilson is traded to the Cowboys I would love to see Dak Prescott on the Seahawks however that works out and Russell Wilson on the Cowboys I think it'd be, just be fun it'd be fun to see those guys go at it for however many years two things first we were two years too early for the night that we got to sit and listen to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, because tonight would be the night to be sitting at the table at Prime 47 and hearing what they have to say about this. Secondly, I don't think the Seahawks touch Dak Prescott. I think they backfill with a rookie or someone who's a hell of a lot cheaper because unless they can get this trade delayed until June 2nd, they're taking a $39 million cap charge this year for Wilson in a year that has the cap dropping to 182, 183. Now, I think the trade would be official after June 1 to help the Seahawks. And it's a it's a demand that the Seahawks easily can make. It's part of the price of admission. We're not finalizing the deal until June 2 because we want to take 13 this year and 26 next year. Even then, for what Prescott would cost on the open market, I think the Seahawks wouldn't jump into it. And the injury issue would be a factor as well. But, look, I agree with you. Russell Wilson's an upgrade. He's older, though. He's several years older, but he makes it clear he wants to play until he's 45. And I'm telling you, he has been eyeing the Cowboys for a while, at least since Mike McCarthy became the head coach of the team. And I think he understands the power of that platform, both as it relates to what it can do for you as a player and what it does for you. Not that Russell needs the help, given his personality, but look at what it does for you post playing you can just write your own ticket into any broadcast booth you want once you've had the star on your helmet you can be a quarterback you can be a tight end you can be anyone and you're in a great position to have a job in broadcasting Michael Irvin Emmett Smith had his time in broadcasting I mean it gives you a much higher profile and I think that's one of the reasons why Russell Wilson is interested but he also wants to be at a place Shireen where the offense runs through him and I don't know, frankly, where that is going to happen from these four teams. Maybe in New Orleans, if they could work it out. Maybe the Raiders. Maybe John Gruden. John Gruden's so happy to have a quarterback he can see eye to eye with and not have to get up on a step stool to talk to. He may be thrilled to do the deal just for that. But um, I, look, Russell, that, that's the other thing to consider. Whatever it is that Russell wants, whoever trades for him had better be ready to give it to him or you're just inheriting the problem the Seahawks have. Yeah, there's a question about that, Mike. I would ask this, too, of the four teams. I mean, okay, does he want to win a championship? Like, 
Of those four teams, I mean, New Orleans is the closest, but we know all the cap problems they have. They lost all their coaches in the offseason. I, I mean, I, I guess they're closest to a championship, and they saw what Tampa Bay was able to do, a team they beat twice in the regular season, once very convincingly. So maybe that's a team. But those other teams, I, I mean, does he upgrade them to the point where they're Super Bowl contenders? I don't know that. Maybe he does. Maybe that's all they need is the quarterback jumpstart. Maybe that's all Chicago needs is that quarterback they haven't had since, what, Sid Luckman maybe? But whatever the case, Mike, you know, I I just don't know from from those teams' perspective that, that he's going to be, with what they're going to have to give up, that he's going to put them over the top. I think the Saints are the most likely to yeah. be rocketed towards Super Bowl contention because they're already almost there. And they were almost there for the last four years with Drew Brees. You put Russell Wilson on the field as the quarterback and all the things he can do and all the things that Sean Payton will do to put him in a position to be successful and all the scouring that Payton does of all the different ideas and trends and plays and concepts and things to get the most out of his players. I I think that, that that would be a perfect destination from the standpoint of winning football games and pursuing championships. It wouldn't be easy at first because you're following Drew Brees, but once you get to a Super Bowl, the the, the fans down there will, will warm up to the idea of having Russell Wilson around for 10 years or longer, assuming uh, he, he ends up finishing his career with his second team. But, you know, it was a year, year and a half ago that I said, I believe Russell Wilson will finish his career with yeah. another team, and people went nuts. I, this has been coming. This is not a new development. It's just finally at the front burner and the question for the Seahawks is do they deal with it now or do they give it a year and hope that they can fix it but either way something is looming because within two years Mark Rogers is going to want Russell Wilson's next new contract and I think the Seahawks are going to be at the point where they're not going to want to give him that kind of money and I think when the market value because it's 45 million now but I think once the Seahawks process all this they're going to realize somebody's going to put an offer on the table that is going to make sense for them given the current state of the relationship with Russell Wilson, especially now that we're hearing more about the dirty laundry. All right, plenty of dirty laundry in Houston. And uh, one one specific pile that they refuse to deal with is the Deshaun Watson situation. Now, Watson had a tweet earlier today, a cryptic tweet. Current and former Texans players love that now. Loyalty is everything. Don't you ever forget it. All caps, ever. Um, well, okay, fine, but who's he talking about? Is there somebody else that he's upset with? Were the Texans not loyal to him in some way? What did they do that reflected a lack of loyalty? It raises a lot of questions, but then the answer was supplied by ESPN, which reported that Deshaun Watson has met with new coach David Culley and refuses to play for the Texans. Not a surprise. We've known that. I, I almost feel like The Texans are that kid, and I was that kid, five years old. I saw the little metal cap on the pilot light on the stove, and I was fascinated by it, and I was reaching for it. And as my finger is going through the air, my mom keeps telling me, you're going to burn your finger, you're going to burn your finger, you're going to burn your finger. And all the while, I'm getting closer and closer. I had to find out for myself that I was going to burn my finger, and burn my finger I did. I feel like the Texans are only going to learn that they should have just given in and traded Deshaun Watson after this thing plays itself out so far that they can't get then what they could have gotten now. And that's what I've said all along is going to happen, Mike. This is just headed somewhere with one side's got to give in, and it does not sound like to me from everything we've heard. Again, we have not heard directly from Deshaun Watson as far as giving an interview. We've read the tweets. We've heard things elsewhere. We have not heard directly from him, and maybe that's the next step step is for him to talk but the Texans have dug their heels in that that we have a franchise quarterback and and frankly he's only 15.94 million if he's on the team 21.6 million and a dead cap hit if he's not on the team so I get from their standpoint they've got the franchise quarterback they don't have him at very much money this year they want to build around him with a new staff. I get all the reasons that Houston wants to keep him, but if a guy doesn't want to play for you, I just don't know how that's supposed to work because I don't see him showing up for anything. Not going to have the regular off season, so big deal. But when you get to training camp and he's not there and you get to the first week of the season and he's not there, do you suddenly realize 
This guy was serious. He's not going to show up. Wow. Maybe we need to trade him. At that point, it's too late, Mike. Same thing they went through with Dwayne Brown in 2017. He didn't show up. Trade me, trade me, trade me. They ignored him. They ignored him. They ignored him. He finally showed up, and then they traded him to the Seattle Seahawks, and they surely got less than if they had maximized their leverage and looked at the full market and gotten multiple teams to the table back during the uh, training camp, pre-training camp, off-season, March, May, April time frame. All right, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that whatever they do, they're going to make the wrong move, and I'm fascinated by who's actually making the decisions, both in Seattle and in Houston. Is it Cal McNair? Is it Jack Easterby? Is it Nick Casario? How involved is David Culley? Who really has the weight when it's time for the brain trust to get together? Who's the one who's saying, we can't give in? We can't give in, even if it may be in their best interest to give in. And we'll see if they ultimately do give in. J.J. Watt, former Texan, he got what he wanted. He got released 13 days now or thereabouts on the open market. No deal for him yet. He does like to post some cryptic tweets. The other day, it was something about <laughs> mitochondria being the powerhouse of the cell. Now, midday naps. Loathe as a child, revered in adulthood. It's kind of like a, a haiku light from J.J. Watt. Maybe he's inspired by reading Football Morning in America. But uh, I, I, there's a report that he's received multiple offers and one offer between 15 and $16 million a year. I, I've talked to some people around the league, and it's very well maybe accurate. But some of the reaction I got from some folks I talked to is, one said there's no way somebody's paying him $16 million a year, not at age 32 with his injury history and with the salary cap going down. And another person made a very good point here. You can say it's a deal that averages 15 to $16 million a year. Until you see the structure, you don't know whether or not that's a real $15 million a year. It could be a phony or at least an, a non-guaranteed back-end back final year that drives the average up. It may be one-year $10 million. It could be two-year $25 million. You throw in that third dummy year, and that drives it up so it looks better for J.J. Watt. And let's face it, high-profile players and their agents want to have an initial report that will create the impression that the guy got a giant pile of money, even if in reality he doesn't. That's the way the game is played. The initial reports overstate the deal, and then a day or two or a few after that longer, we get to the truth, and the truth often is far less than what we were initially told. It could be moving in that direction, Shireen. Regardless, he's yet to accept one of these offers. That's what someone else said to me. If he's getting 15 or $16 million a year and it's real, why the hell isn't he taking it? Absolutely. And that was going to be my next question is if the offer's out there, why isn't he jumping on that before a guy like Von Miller comes free or whoever else it may be that's going to get on the market? Some guys we may not even know about are going to hit the market here and you may want them more than you want J.J. Watt. 15 to 16 million is an awful lot to play, pay for leadership, Mike. I just don't know that this guy is worth that based on his numbers over the last five years, 48 games. He's missed 32 games and has 26 and a half sacks. And 16 of those came in his last good season. So he's really not been that productive as a pass rusher. Maybe that's what they have. It, it's, it's what they don't have more like it around him. Jadavion Clowney, you know, was shipped out. And, and so maybe he needs more people around him. If he goes to a good team, he has other pass rushers around him. Maybe he's more able to get to the quarterback. I don't know. But with his injury history, he getting up there a little bit in age, he turns 32 in March, but just all the injuries he's been through, I'm not spending that much money, Mike, to bring him in to say, okay, you be the leader of the locker room, you be the leader of our defensive room. That just seems like an awful lot to pay. I mean, look, I don't want to be overly cynical about it, but I've been doing this for 20 years, and I know that it's not always what meets the eye. It's entirely possible that nearly two weeks after being released by the Texans without a flood of offers. He's getting pestered constantly on social media and surely elsewhere. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he may be thinking, geez, they're not really making the kind of offers that, that I want. And something like this selectively leaked to a reporter who will take it and run with it and put it out there without a whole lot of analysis or context or explanation. It looks good for J.J. Watt. It looks like J.J. Watt hasn't been forgotten by the NFL. It looks like he still has real value. I think that was the knee-jerk reaction that the average person would have to it. You know, fading superstar, oh, wait a minute, somebody's offering him between 15 and 16 million? Oh, maybe he's not fading after all. But my advice to everyone is, let's wait until a deal is done and we can actually analyze 
the contract, not what someone reports it to be, to do a favor to the person who has given them the scoop that J.J. Watt has agreed to terms with a given team. Let's see what the actual contract looks like before we decide whether he got more, less, or the same as what a guy in his situation reasonably should get. One of the first deals that was unofficially done this offseason the trade that will send, as of March 17, 401 p.m. Eastern, Matthew Stafford from the Lions to the Rams. It's an awkward time now for the coaches and the general managers who have done these deals because the deals aren't done. They can't really talk about the players not on their roster. Here's Sean McVay trying to tiptoe through that minefield when asked about the guy who will be his quarterback a few weeks from now. I think it's guys that can make things happen with the ball in their hands, Kevin. Um, uh, certainly, and I know we talked a lot about it throughout the season of, you know, plays down the field. I think there's different ways of creating explosives, um, but it's, you know, it's a collaboration of, you know, certainly I've got to do a good job of, of giving us opportunities, and then the players are the ones that end up making it come to life. And so that's always going to be a big part of it. I think when you have to go 12 and 15 play drives consistently, uh, your margin for error is so small. The level of competition is just so great that you've got to be able to find ways to continuously create explosives, uh, give yourself a little bit of margin for error that it's not always taking that many plays uh, to produce points in this league. And, and that's definitely, I, I think any good offense, anyone that's at the upper echelon of the league, that's usually something that you can probably check the box on. And, and I think that's something that we've definitely got to do a better job of uh, starting with me this next season. All right, that doesn't really tell us a whole lot of anything. I will tell you this, though. As fake backgrounds go, I can't tell whether I love that one or hate that one. I, 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 I was mesmerized by it because it's clearly fake, but the closer I look at it, it's like, is it really fake? Yeah, it's fake. But anyway, I did. Look, the Rams need to get better, and we're going to find out. Was it McVay or Goff? To ha- there it is. That's fake. That's got to be fake. There's no, it's, there's, it's fake. It's clearly fake. All right, so it was either McVay or Goff that caused the offense to regress. We're going to find out. And it's a great parallel comparison how do the lions do with Goff instead of stafford how do the rams do with stafford instead of Goff? and the trade will be official but remember remember either side can still back out between now and march 17 when it becomes official but i fully expect that the deal will go through frank reich same issue oh go ahead yeah shereen go ahead chime in on this on this right sorry i'm <laughs> sorry we got we got a, we got a lot of what we still got a lot to do somebody loaded up this first segment with 20 topics go ahead shereen well, I was just going to say, I've never seen a locker room that clean. That's how I know it's fake. Yeah, it is the offseason, so maybe they, maybe they cleaned it up. But they're smelly, and they're, they're <laughs> junk everywhere all the time. So, yeah, I know that's fake. But, yeah, you know, they, they want to get more explosive with the ball. I get it. Stafford is more explosive. You look at when Jared Goff was good, Mike. It's when he had Todd Gurley winning Offensive Player of the Year awards. That's when the Rams' offense was good. That's what Jared Goff needs. Matthew Stafford doesn't necessarily need that. I get why they made this trade, Mike. Yeah, you know, I, I have memories of just how dirty and smelly and nasty the average <laughs> locker room is. And I, I got a taste of it 10 years or so ago when my kids started playing youth football, and you just forget just the sweat and the mildew and the mold and yeah. the just nasty. nasty. Just, na- just, just nasty. That bag, that bag that made the trip from home to – to facility, to home, to facility, oh, that bag. I think I think we eventually burned that thing. Anyway, um, we'll see if the Rams are any better this year. We'll see if the Colts are any better with Carson Wentz instead of Phillip Rivers. Here is Frank Reich saying whatever he can say about a quarterback who won't officially be on the Colts until March 17. It's a critical position. You always have that, that healthy tension. Of the quarterback position is really important, but the quarterback is just one man you know, on the roster. So... Uh, we do believe like we have we have the right roster, we have the right culture, um, and you know getting good quarterback play is, is something that is necessary to win a, a world championship. And obviously here in this organization, the standard has been set, uh, and it's and I feel like we've gotten good quarterback play in recent years in our three years here as well. So uh, we need to continue to have that kind of play and even continue to improve upon that kind of play for us to to win a world championship. Everybody wants to win a world championship. They only give out one per year. And the reality is there aren't enough great quarterbacks to allow a bunch of teams to truly be in contention. But Reich won one three years ago with a backup. 
who stepped in at the right time. And, you know, I, I've always said, was this some kind of strange slumdog millionaire style aligning of the planets where just right move, right time, right play, right call, and it just stacked up all the way to a Super Bowl win. And I think the three years since then have told us it kind of was for Nick Foles and for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. But uh, regardless, you need to have somebody who's in position to make those plays. And Carson Wentz, clearly their best option and will be a much better option if they can get him to play like he did before this past season. Yeah, and they believe in Carson Wentz. Frank Wright does, and Carson Wentz believes in Frank Wright, and I think that's important, Mike, and I think we're going to see a different Carson Wentz. Now, are we going to see the guy who in 2017 was an MVP candidate before the knee injury? I don't know. That's what they've got to get out of him if they're going to go contend. But I think even if he plays sort of at that 2018-2019 level, as good as the Colts are, I think they've got a chance. I I think they would be the favorites to win that division and have got a chance to do something in the postseason, Mike. I just think this is a really good team he's going to with a chance to do really big things if, if he can get the most out of Carson Wentz, Frank Reich I'm talking about. Reich also said that they're hopeful T.Y. Hilton will end his career as a member of the Indianapolis Colts. He arrived back in 2012 with Andrew Luck. And he's going to be a free agent. And, and uh, you know, the, the reality is, even though the Colts have plenty of cap space, these teams that are flush with cap space still can't be reckless with it. You have to make good decisions about what you're going to invest in a player, especially an older player. T.Y. Hilton's had some injuries, best days behind him. Sure, they'd love to keep him around. But at the end of the day, Shereen, somebody gives him a real offer. And either the Eagles could try to get T.Y. Hilton. Nick Sirianni could say, hey, we want to bring him here and stabilize our weak receiving core, the Colts have some good young receivers. It may be easy for the Colts to just uh, say uh, thanks for everything, even though they'd prefer that T.Y. Hilton retire with them. Um, market value, whatever the market value is for him, he's more likely to get it somewhere else. Yeah, you can't keep everybody, Mike. And when you look at a lot of these free agents for different teams, they're going to go elsewhere because somebody is going to value them more than the team they're coming from. And I think that's going to be the case with T.Y. Hilton. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, a closer look at the Detroit kneecap biters, officially known as the Lions. New coach, new GM, new everything. What new players may they have and what old players may be gone? We'll take a look at the Lions next year. So this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right? That's going to be the mentality. A lot of penalty flags, a lot of fines imposed, and eventually suspensions for physically removing kneecaps without anesthesia from opponents. But that was Dan Campbell with his SNL-level introductory press conference, Shireen. What do you think his impact is really going to be once things settle down and presumably he's not coaching up players on how to remove kneecaps with their teeth? I think the players are going to love him, Mike, but it's going to take a while there. This is just not a very good roster right now, which is why he got the long-term deal. He has time to build the program that he wants to build. They think they have the quarterback. I know Brad Holmes really believes in Jerry Goff. If that's the case, they have a good starting block, right, to, to try to rebuild this thing. But they have a lot of problems offensively, defensively, where you want to start. I think you, you pick the best players at this point to come in and help you. And I think the fact that that they gave up Matthew Stafford. They brought in a Jared Goff who is clearly at an early career crossroads and you didn't get significant compensation for Stafford this year. They they, they are rebuilding. They have convinced the powers that be that this is going to take some time. And Campbell has a six-year contract. That's more like an anti-dysfunction contract to show that you know, they're not going to keep spinning the revolving door on coach with another and another and another. But if it's a disaster, they will. It's a cost of doing business. You pay the balance of the contract and you move on if it comes down to it. Um, I, between Dan Campbell and Chris Spielman, a couple of former players, it's an interesting way to approach 
the game. It will be old school. It will be hard-nosed. They will be preaching rough and tough and gritty. And we'll see how it goes. I, you know, I'm not going to rule out anything because sometimes the one thing that is so different from everything else works just because no one else is used to it. Everybody else has gone in a different direction. Maybe, maybe a throwback to the days where it was a lot more physical and a lot more violent and a lot more rough and tumble. Maybe that'll be disarming in a positive way for the Lions, even though guys will be fined and guys will be suspended if they play that way, Shireen. And I think they're going to play hard for Dan Campbell. I do think they'll play that way. I think they're going to be hard hitting and we'll probably see some flags for, for the hard hits that they deliver. But this is going to be a team that you're going to, you know, look, be looking over your shoulder when you play them for sure, because I do think they're going to play hard and they're going to play rough and they're going to be tough. Uh, and they're going to play to the end and they're going to play to the whistle and maybe sometimes beyond the whistle. But I do think they will play hard, Mike, and I just don't know how that converts to wins because I don't think there are many of them there, but I don't think they'll go 0-16 either. I think that toughness and that mentality and, and all of that playing hard, I think it does to co- convert to some wins. They're not going to have another well, 0-16 season. They definitely won't go 0-16. There is a chance they'll be 0-17, though. So there's a new barrier no, that's true. for the Lions to cross if they choose to do it. Uh, Jared Goff, the new quarterback, on the surface, I, I don't see an instant personality blend between Goff and Dan Campbell. Do you think Goff is the long-term answer, or is this just a, we need a quarterback, we were willing to spend the money and burn up the cap space to get two first-round picks and a third-round pick in the Matthew Stafford trade? I mean, Do they really think this is a guy they're going to build around? I think they find that out this year, Mike. They, they, it's kind of a let's get to know you type year. They don't expect a whole lot. I mean, what if they go out and win six games, seven games, and are right around the 500 mark, which they didn't expect to be? I mean, I would expect this team to win four or five games. If they win way more than that, maybe he is your quarterback of the future. I mean, he does have a winning record in, in the league. That's hard to do. I don't care what team you're on. It's still hard to do over the course of the career to be 42 and 27. And this guy has started in a Super Bowl. So he's got some things that you like. So I think this is kind of a feel me out year to see if it if it works. But I also don't rule out that they're going to draft a quarterback, Mike, that maybe that's their guy of the future. And keep this in mind when the schedule comes out in April, as it usually does. Four road games for the Lions this year. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Green Bay. The potential to be cold weather, and we've seen in the past that Jared Goff isn't a big fan. Although he quitted himself well in his last game with the Rams. It was out in the elements in Green Bay, and and it didn't seem to have the kind of impact that the game in Chicago did a couple of years ago. All right, let's go through the who's in, who's out. Shereen, give me one name of a guy that you think the Lions will target. A guy that the Lions will turn. I'm going to go all Williams. Since my last name is Williams, I, I had Marcus Williams and Jamal Williams on my list, but I'm going to go with Marcus Williams. You know, they don't have a ton of, of money to spend. They're not going to spend a ton on free agents, but I think he would be a guy maybe that you spend a little bit more on, and he will help fix some things that you didn't have in your secondary uh, since you tra- traded all your good players out of the secondary. But he'd be je- great for Jeff Okuda, who they used the third overall pick on last year. I just think he would he would fit what they want to do uh, in Detroit. And I had Jamal Williams, too, because I think he would pair well with Swift, which I know they're, they're looking to do, and he would pair better with Swift uh, than, say, uh, Adrian Peterson did. For, for me, I engaged in some high-level film study and analysis from mine. Matt Milano, a Bills linebacker. Hey, Chris Spielman was once a Bills, once a Bills linebacker. And if anybody on the field is going to be biting off kneecaps, it's going to be a linebacker. So I, I could see the Bills or the Lions with Spielman having an all-linebacker defense, a bunch of hard-nosed, awesome. tough guys who will bite off your kneecap. And if they are successful, it will make it easier to to defeat the opponent. All right, who's out? Sticking with Williams theme here, Nick Williams is going to be out. Uh, 21, 2021 cap hit of $5.7 million. They can save $4.7 million against the cap. He had th- 13 starts this year, played in 14 games, 23 tackles and a sack. Mike, that's not enough for the salary he's supposed to make. You can say bye to Nick Williams for this year. 
Yeah, and with TJ Hawkinson being such a good tight end, I think the Jesse James era in Detroit will be over. Also, they got to do something about running back because DeAndre Swift has worked out. So it's either going to be Carryon Johnson or Adrian Peterson. See you later. And I could see the Lions being attracted to the concept of keeping a guy like Peterson around because of the leadership he brings to the table. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we'll do the same thing for the Carolina Panthers, along with a closer question of whether or not they will be getting a franchise quarterback, and if so, who they may target. More PFTPM right after this. All right, Carolina Panthers looking for a new quarterback one year after they signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year contract. And they're going to take a $10 million cap charge if they move on from Teddy Bridgewater, but it seems like they're ready to do it. So the big question for the Panthers, who will be the quarterback in 2021? Shereen, let's do it draft style. I'll give you the first pick because I'm in a semi-good mood. Who is your selection right out of the gates to be the starting quarterback for the Panthers week one? Well, I'm going to leave the big name to you, Mike, because I don't think they're going to get a big name to come in. And if you don't get somebody better than Teddy Bridgewater, right, you have to keep Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm going to say they are going to fail in their attempts to get a better quarterback. So they're going to stick with Teddy Bridgewater and look to redo this position in 2022. That's very pragmatic and realistic, but it's no fun. It's very kind of you. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater eventually would have made the list. But I, how, how can I not go with Deshaun Watson? They're, they're loading up the cannon for the run at Deshaun Watson. ESPN told us that last week. Three first-round picks and Christian McCaffrey. Make it happen. So, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to want to go there, even though he played at Clemson. So that's kind of my drawback. My next pick, Mike, I am going to have fun with this. I'm going to say they're going to go with Dak Prescott. Russell I knew Wilson it. gets traded to I Dallas. I knew it. Dak Prescott becomes a free agent, and he goes to Carolina. How about that? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. My, my, my two choices for you for your next pick were Dak Prescott first, then Roger Staubach. I knew it. So uh, that's good. That's good. And I like that. I like that because if they do the trade to Dallas of Russell Wilson, right, it's not like the Cowboys are going to sign Dak Prescott to a $37.68 million franchise tender and then trade him. He's walking away and they're getting compensatory yeah. draft pick next year. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be perfect. That would be th- – see, that this is where the Panthers now have to have to press pause on their effort to go after Deshaun Watson and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a chance Dak Prescott's going to walk right through the door for us if the Cowboys bite on this on this Russell Wilson hook. All right, next one for me, Trevor Lawrence. If you fail to get to Deshaun Watson, if Dak Prescott isn't available, you make the Jaguars an offer they can't refuse. They drop down to number eight. You move up to number one. You make the argument, hey, look, if the Bengals had done the deal with the Dolphins last year, they could have had Justin Herbert and all this other stuff. So why don't you do it, Urban Meyer? And, of course, Meyer's responsible. Why don't you just keep all those picks and do it yourself? But I think Tepper, David Tepper, determined to get a franchise quarterback and get a Clemson guy if you can't get the, the Clemson guy who's proven he can get it done, go after the Clemson guy who's entering the draft. And I'll go, I'll stick with that same theme, Mike, that they do draft their quarterback this year. And how about a trade up for Trey Lance? And I do think they probably would have to trade up a little bit to get him. Quarterbacks always go earlier than we think they're going to go, right? There's going to be a run on quarterbacks and teams are going to panic and they're going to move up and say, if we want the guy, we're going to have to get the guy. So they may still have to trade up a little bit to get Trey Lance. But I think Trey Lance is a, a, a real possibility for this team to draft. I, I, uh, I, I think a trade-up to get Zach Wilson is a possibility. That'll be my last yeah, pick. Because, is. again, I, it's either Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or we can throw in Dak Prescott if the dominoes fall that way. There isn't a clear upgrade franchise-level guy in the NFL right now beyond those three. They're not going to go after Kirk Cousins, I don't think. So move up to get Zach Wilson. And am I misremembering this? Didn't Teddy Bridgewater sign with the Jets and then get traded to the Saints? Didn't he do yes, that? That's right. Yeah. So yeah. So send send Teddy Bridgewater back to the Jets so they can trade him to the Saints again <laughs> or wherever else they want to trade him. All right. Uh, I think we've done as much damage as we can with our completely made-up guesswork at who the Panthers' quarterback will be. Let's move on to one in and one out. Give me a name of someone that the Panthers will be adding other than, obviously, a quarterback. 
Well, I don't have a Williams on this. I'm going to go with John Feliciano. They only have one player on their offensive line among their starting offensive line who is signed. Uh, I do think they put the franchise tag on Taylor Moten at, at right tackle, so they'll have him too. But they need to upgrade at the guard position. John Miller and Chris Reed, their starting guards from last year, are free agents. I'm going to go John Feliciano of the Bills. If the Bills can't re-sign him, I think uh, Carolina is a good landing spot for him. All right, see, I had put in the sheet when I prepared for the show a franchise quarterback, so I, I kind of put myself into a box since we did that draft. It's my own fault for not being smarter about, you know, the flow of the segment. How about John U. Smith, the tight end from the Tennessee Titans? Just throw a dart Good there. Pick. Curtis Samuel likely to walk away in free agency. They really haven't had a, a potent tight end since Greg Olson. Um uh, you know, so so since I've painted myself into a corner, I'll try to escape it by desperately throwing out the name John U. Smith. Who's out for the Carolina Panthers, Shereen? I think Russell Okung, and I talked about only having that one player under contract. Well, Russell Okung is a free agent. He's 32, injury history. We know that. They re-signed Trent Scott, who actually started three games at left tackle last year while Russell was out with his injury. So I just think it's time for them to move on. They are ready to move on. They'll find an in-house candidate for the left tackle spot, Mike. And, and you know, the easy one is Teddy Bridgewater out. Uh, if that is the way that it goes, it seems like they're ready to move on. And I think it, you get to a point where he's going to want to move on. That They could end up with some other mid-level guy if they completely alienate Teddy Bridgewater to the point where he wants out. So it's possible that he's not even going to be available to them if he's like, I'm not going to continue to be your quarterback when you're clearly looking for someone else. Curtis Samuel, one of their top receivers, is another possibility to leave. He's a free agent, and you just have to ask, how much money do you invest in that position? They've got Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore is going to need to get paid at some point. Samuel may be a luxury that they just can't afford. Not many teams go three deep with, with receivers who are making a nice chunk of change. Um, so, but, uh, look, they got a lot to do and they got high ambitions. David Tepper wants to work the, the game in his favor. And he has proven, at least in the business world, he knows how to crack the code. He is trying desperately to crack the NFL code, Shereen. Yes, he is, Mike. And they want that, that quarterback to do it, right? Sell out the stadium. Trevor Lawrence does make perfect sense. I just don't know if the Jaguars are going to be willing to trade up there. Trade out I keep of going that back to that clip. With the that clip Panthers. in all or nothing. Tepper's in the back of the SUV. Yeah. The NFL yep. set up to be eight and eight, and the way that you push it your way. Great coach, great GM, great quarterback. Great quarterback is this year's objective. All right, let's take a break, and we'll open the mailbag when PFTPM continues right after this. All right, let's get right to it. Uncle Phil has a great question via the Twitter. Circumstances are, of course, different, but who lasts longer in Seattle? A, Russell Wilson. B, Pete Carroll. C, they're both gone like Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson in the same offseason. Shereen, what do you think? Well, we certainly wouldn't have expected that, right? Even a year ago that Peterson and Wentz would both be gone, but but they are. So I don't rule out anything. But, you know, Pete Carroll just signed the extension through 2025. I think he's going to be there as long as he wants to be there. I don't see Russell Wilson being there much longer, Mike. Yeah, I don't either. And look, you and I both thought it would be one more year for Russell Wilson. And even if it is, he's gone before Pete Carroll. And I think we're getting to the, the point where – it, it's not going to be one more year. And I think unlike the Texans, the Seahawks are going to be smart enough to figure out that now is the time to make their move. So Russell first, Pete later, and Pete maybe sooner than later if their post-Russell Wilson plans don't work out the way that they did with Russell Wilson on the roster. SH third floor 215, should the Chargers be major players in the J.J. Watt sweepstakes or bring in someone like Leonard Floyd because of the familiarity with Coach Staley. Let me take the first crack at this one. The Chargers don't need to be messing around with J.J. Watt. They just don't. They've got star players on defense. They've got good players on defense. They should be focusing on spending their money wisely. They don't need to make that kind of a sizzle-type, you know, even, even though they, they need to catch the Rams in the market, I know. But, but I just think it would be not money well spent for a team that's got some work to do 
before it's it's ready for that icing on the cake that J.J. Watt likely will be for another team. Well, and I just think Leonard Floyd at this point in his career is a better player, Mike. I mean, he's younger. He's 28. He played all 16 games over the last three seasons. And he knows Brandon Staley's defense, right? He had 10 and a half sacks, which is a career best this year. Now, maybe that's because he was playing by Aaron Donald. I mean, he makes everybody around him better, but he does have 29 sacks in five years. So if I'm going to sign one of those guys, I'm probably going to sign Leonard Floyd over J.J. Watt. I'm with you. I don't know that one player and his leadership can put this team over the top. They're not quite there yet, but they're getting there. I like this team, and I think a Leonard Floyd-type player would help this team. I remember the bookend to Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, due to be a free agent, likely moving on, so there would be a need there, a greater need on the outside than on the inside, which is where Watt most likely would end up in that defense. Tom G. Post, should the Eagles sell off every player of value they can and effectively rank like the (laughs) Dolphins of 2019 to set up a rebuild, Shireen? The problem for them is for doing that, they play in the NFC East, so they've got a chance to win it, right? And everybody wants to go to the playoffs and get that home playoff game and get that extra money, especially coming off a year when you didn't make all that money from the fans being there. You could make money with having that home playoff game. So I say no to that just for that simple reason. They do have a chance to win the NFC East. Otherwise, if they were in a division like the probably any other division, frankly, maybe you would do that, Mike. Maybe you would think about doing that. Yeah, Howie Roseman, the GM of the team, has survived a lot. I don't, he, I don't think he survives a, hey, Jeff Lurie, let's go deliberately stink this year. <laughs> Lurie was beside himself at how far his team had fallen. They're going to have to rebuild on the fly, and that's what they are trying to do. So I agree with you there. Don't, don't try to tank. You're in a division where 7-9 and nine may win it, and you could get hot in January, and who knows where it, it leads. Brandon Feely, 97, assuming the Dolphins keep the same picks. Do you use the third pick for a receiver or maybe take another skill position player instead and then draft a receiver at 18? Your thoughts, Shereen? Well, I've said all along they should take whoever they have as a top-ready receiver. I had them taking Chase yesterday. Either him or Devontae Smith, I think, should be the pick. They need an upgrade at that position. I still think, and we talked about this today, they seriously need to evaluate all of the quarterbacks. They're higher than they ever dreamed they would be with that Larry Tunsil pick. And and I love Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and it physically hurts me to say it, but I just don't think he's going to be the guy. And they're in a, in a prime position to maybe get quarterback number three or maybe quarterback number two off of the draft board. That is it for today. Enjoy your evening. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live, tomorrow afternoon for PFT PM.